Welcome to the Fireside Giants podcast by Empire Sports Media. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. The 2023 offseason is underway on March 15th, and the Giants are going to get a little bit of extra money because they plan on cutting Kenny Galladay. The inevitable is finally here. Adam Schefter just tweeted it out today. Kenny Galladay will be released by the Giants on March 15th, and that will free up $6.7 million in salary cap space for the team to spend this offseason. It's going to be an exciting offseason, and the Giants have a lot of cap space. However, a lot of it's probably going to get tied up into some extensions for some of their big name players. And then of course, they're going to want to go ahead and sign some extra talent in the offseason. But there is a lot of opportunities presented to the Giants this offseason and for the foreseeable future because they're in a pretty healthy spot with the salary cap space. And we're going to go ahead and break that down so you all know what the Giants have in store for you this offseason and for the next couple of seasons with their salary cap space. But before we dive into all of that, make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode and subscribe to the channel if you're new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode bing alex and without further ado how without further ado how are you doing today my friend and what are your thoughts on the salary cap space so as you mentioned they just released or they're planning to release on march 15th the start of the new league year kenny galladay now for those that are going to comment or question why didn't they do it post june 1st when you cut somebody post june 1st you end up pushing more money into the future the giants do not want to be pushing any more of kenny galladay's money into the future they're going to save 6.7 million now if they were to go the per the post june 1st route they'd save 13.5 million dollars um, but they still have to pay him a, a nice chunk of change in 2024 just to not be on the team he's still has a $6.8 million dead hit. Um, so, you know, now you get rid of him. You have that's almost $7 million that could roll over into a multitude of different positions, whether it be trading for a receiver and signing them to a new contract or going after a linebacker like David Long or going after a cornerback, you know, offensive lineman. There's a lot of different things they can do with this money that covers the most of our rookie class for the upcoming draft. So obviously there are ways you can use that $6.7 million. The Giants will have um, a little bit more money to utilize. You know, obviously Daniel Jones's contract is still waiting in the wings. We don't know what they're going to do with Saquon. But right now, they have about $46.8 million. With that release, you're looking at, you know, a decent chunk of change, like $55, $54 million. So you have a little bit of money to spend there. Um, But obviously, if $40 million of that goes to Daniel Jones... And you want to go the extension now for what it's worth. We've discussed this already. You know, using this, the franchise tag on Daniel Jones, fine and dandy, but it's not a long-term solution because, one, you still don't have a quarterback under under contract for a couple of years unless you're going to move on. Uh, but at the same time, it locks in a $32 million cap hit for the 2023 season, and the Giants can't afford to have that entire $32 million on the book. So if they do sign an extension, they're going to spread the money out. They're going to move it to year two, year three, year four, depending on how long the contract is. Is, and it'll give us a little bit more relief right now. So if that cap hit, for example, was let's say 15 or $20 million in the first year, you're still looking about $35 million to spend. As that's not even considering restructuring Leonard Williams, extending to Dory Jackson, which we talked about yesterday, and a couple other things that they can do to make some more uh, room to, to spend this offseason. Of course, I don't think they're going to be spending big. They're not going to be huge free agent kind of needs, and they're, they're going to plug most of these weaknesses through the draft. In my opinion, they're still kind of laying the bricks here, building the foundation. Uh, but Anthony, you know, what do you think they kind of do with this money? $6.7 million. How do you think they attribute it? Do you think they go and look into free agency? Or do you think they're going to hold tight, you know, save that money and just utilize it for the draft class? 
So I think it could definitely be rolled into the draft class. The Giants have some extra picks this offseason, so they're going to need some extra money in order to sign all of those guys. However, a lot of those guys don't sign until right at training camp or even sometimes during training camp. So the Giants don't necessarily need to start allocating money towards their draft class until way later on in the summer. That's where some of those guys who could be released post June 1st, that's when you look at that because that's where you free up your cap space and try to make room for your uh, your draft class. But right now, I think that with the $6.7 million, the Giants are making it a point to release Kenny Galladay as soon as the new league year starts. I think they might have something in mind with that money. And I think that there are a lot of ways that they can utilize it. When you look at this linebacker class and free agency this offseason, it's kind of loaded with talent. There's a lot of players out there and the cornerback class. Alex, we've kind of talked about those positions a lot so far. This offseason, those two positions are big needs for the Giants, and luckily, this free agency class has those two posi- positions and a lot of talent at them. So I think that $6.7 million probably gets you a starting inside linebacker day one, and I think that might be the route that the Giants want to go. But again, $6.7 million, you can roll that over. Depending on what happens with Saquon Barkley, that could be his 2023 cap hit. If they do extend him, the goal for the Giants, according to the New York Post, is to get that cap hit for the first year down really low, like the Nick Chubb contract with the Cleveland Browns. His cap hit in the first year of his contract was under $5 million. The Giants could say, okay, let's do the same thing with Saquon, keep his year one cap hit under six under $7 million, and that's where that $6.7 million in cap space from cutting Kenny Galladay gets allocated towards. So I think that makes a lot of sense because essentially with Kenny Galladay, you're cutting him, getting rid of a player who barely plays for you anyways, and you're just rolling that money into a contract for your superstar running back. Now, again, I know it's good, it's, it remains to be seen what the Giants actually decide to do with Saquon Barkley. They could end up letting him walk, but it, it seems likely that they will re-sign him and hopefully get that lower uh, cap hit for the year one of his deal. But I'm taking a look now at some of the next few years of salary cap space for the Giants, and there's this PFF article that shows that the Giants have a lot of money to spend over the next three seasons. According to PFF, they rank number two in effective cap space from 2022 to 2024. So from those from 2022 to 24, the Giants are going to have $219 million in total across those three years to spend. That's a lot of money, again, second in the NFL. And if you take that and you, com- you compare it to some of the other teams in the league, the, the bottom team in the league, New Orleans, has negative $12 million to spend over the next three years. The Rams have $6 million to spend over the next three years. Of course, this is pre-cuts and everything, but just considering that the Giants have that little money tied up in their books right now puts them in a really good and healthy position when you look at it and what what that's really caused by is the fact that the Giants have actually started to draft well. They have a right tackle of the future on a rookie contract. Their left tackle is still on a rookie contract and playing at an elite level. The Giants have some really valuable positions on very undervalued contracts right now and I think that's going to continue to be their strategy this offseason. Finding some of those positions that are pretty expensive like wide receiver get those young rookie talents on those rookie contracts and continue to build out this roster. But Alex, when you look at the health of the salary cap space, how important is it for the New York Giants when when we talk about them paying guys like Andrew Thomas up in the future upcoming, but how important is it for them to continue to find really good talents on rookie deals so that they can continue to flush out this roster? I mean, it's the most important thing, right? Like the most important thing is having players on rookie contracts that are playing at a Pro Bowl caliber level because you need those guys to contribute. You know, I recall the, our Super Bowl runs, right? 2007, 2010. What was the most, you know, prominent variable of these Super Bowl runs down the stretch? Those rookies ended up becoming extremely 
uh, impactful contributors. You know, all of the rookies ended up helping us at some point along the way, making one big play, whether it was, you know, Jake Ballard or Kevin Boss or, you know, whoever it was, you know, just rookies at the time, you know, leaving their mark, stepping up and having some big plays and making some big moments happen. So I think that's kind of what you see among good teams. You know, even Trent McDuffie for the for the Chiefs, he became a tremendous player this year, one of their best cornerbacks and defensive pieces. You know, the Giants need their young players to step up, elevate, and perform well. This past season was a little bit disappointing, right? Kayvon Thibodeau, probably the only guy that really stood up and really contributed at a high level. Everybody else kind of struggled because of injury or because of inconsistencies, whatever it might be. Of course, we had players that missed the entire season. You know, Wandell missed a good a good chunk of it. When he was on the field and healthy, though, you could tell he was an impact player. You could tell he made a difference. Um, you know, of course, Darian Beavers was out. Um, Dane Belton had the clavicle issue. I think Bellinger was an impact player as a rookie, despite having the eye socket broken and whatever. Uh, Marcus McKethan knocked out to injury. How many players, how many rookies did we not even see? DJ Davidson had an ACL tear. Like, so many of these guys, uh, Josh Azuda with a neck injury, so many of these rookies just did not impact the game the way we needed them to but again we weren't looking to make a Super Bowl here the fact we made the playoffs was exciting nonetheless this upcoming draft is the most important draft in my opinion because every they need guys to like fill starting jobs right now you know we don't know what half of the rookies last year are going to do this upcoming season because of injuries you know we do know Kayvon Thibodeau starting we knew it we know Evan Neal starting and obviously those are great players to have Evan Neal struggled in his own right hopefully takes that big step forward but the rookie contracts is what makes a roster um, you know, flexible and fluid when it when it comes time. When you're like the Eagles, for example, and everything comes to fruition, your quarterback's on a rookie deal. You have a couple guys who you who you paid for in free agency. James Bradbury being one of them, as we know. And a lot of those contracts are are are, are pretty young and, and and cheap. It allows you to spend money on those big players like the Nadamakan Sues and uh, all those guys they brought in to help down the stretch and just they're just collecting top former top players left and right just to you know fill out depth pieces. That's what it allows you to do. And obviously, we'd prefer to have that same situation kind of unfolding here. Now, of course, paying Daniel Jones is going to take up a good amount of salary space, but it'll be a, in in hindsight. Hopefully, it looks like a reasonable deal because. He keeps getting better and justifies that type of extension. Um, but as you mentioned, this team, you know, they have a lot of money in the future. 2024, they have $180 million. If you take, let's say, the $30 million, $35 million cap hit you're going to see from Daniel Jones next year, they still have $140 million, $130 million. Of course, you got to pay uh, guys like Kayvon, uh, rather, um, Dexter Lawrence. He's going to get a big contract. Andrew Thomas is going to obviously have his fifth-year option picked up, which is going to be like an 18 to $20 million cap hit. So they're going to have somewhere around the $80, $90 million range after all of that. You know, Daniel Jones, Dexter Lawrence, and Andrew Thomas all getting new deals. And then you have guys like Leonard Williams who's going to be coming off the books likely next season, and they're going to save a ton of money from that, which is already, you know, accounted for um, in that $180 million. So the Giants have a lot of money next year, but I don't think they're going to spend a lot this year because they don't want to start pushing money into the future. They want to see how they want to, they want to give their rookies and their young players playing time right now. Like that's that's how you get better as a team. Those rookies from last year coming back from injury, their their foundation that they're building, the class they're about to draft in a couple months here, getting them experience and, and live reps is going to be what builds the foundation of this team. Then after you figure out who panned out, who didn't pan out, you go into free agency with all of this money next offseason and you plug the positions that you need to plug that you don't feel as though you can do in the draft and of course you have a whole new rookie draft class coming in in 2024 as well so the Giants are in a really good spot but 
it's all going to come down to how well they draft. You said they've been drafting better. I think they have been. The injuries were very unfortunate, but there's a lot of players there that have a lot of potential, a lot of time to develop. Um, we all really like Beavers, but he's coming off an ACL tear. So what can we really expect from him? Wandale, ACL tear, what can we expect? Um, there's a lot of guys who are just big question marks. But this draft, man, they got to hit they got to hit home with this draft class, and hopefully the changing of the of the turf at MetLife, you know, contributes towards fewer injuries. But I'll tell you what, if anything is going to make this team good, it's going to be phenomenal drafting. But I do expect the Giants to find a way to get themselves a top receiver. I think they probably use that first round pick. I mean, it's kind of written on the wall. Kenny Galladay gone. Your top guys, Isaiah Hodgins, Sterling Shepard's a free agent. We don't have anybody. Richie James is a free. They, our whole team. Um, receiver core has just been shredded. Darius Slayton, obviously a free agent too. I fully expect them to be drafting somebody in the first round and maybe even one or two more in the mid rounds to kind of just round out the wide receiver core and get some young talent in there that they can develop. So Anthony, when you're looking at kind of where the Giants lay right now, how would you look at their priorities and where do you think they even are willing to spend money given the fact that I don't think they're going to be very big free agent uh, competitors and aggressors this offseason? I don't think they'll be big spenders either, and I think the reason why is because they know they have a lot of in-house talent that they do want to extend. We've talked about the Daniel Jones contract a lot. It's going to cost them a lot of money, not just this offseason, but for the foreseeable future. You're talking next year, his salary cap hit could be $40 million, right? Even if, even if he gets signed to $32 million on average annual, and that's what most Giants fans want to see, they don't want to see him make $40 million per year, but even if that's the case, his cap hit in some of these seasons is probably still going to be over $40 million based on how they structure the contract. They might backload it because they know they have more money open down the books. There's going to be some seasons where you are spending a lot of money at one position for Daniel Jones. But on top of that, you also need to extend guys like Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, Xavier McKinney's coming up. There's a lot of talent that the Giants have on this roster. Again, credit to good drafting, credit to finding good talent, young talent, but that young talent needs to get paid. These are foundational building blocks in Andrew Thomas and uh, Dexter Lawrence and Xavier McKinney. These are guys that we want to keep around for the long term. So yes, the Giants have a lot of money to spend, but they're not going to spend it. They have to be smart about it. So I think what they're going to do this offseason, maybe spend here and there at a couple positions to bolster it, but don't expect them to go out there and try and find their WR1 the same way that Dave Gettleman did when he signed Kenny Galladay. Don't expect them to go out there and find some dominant uh, offensive lineman in free agency and spend $20 million per season on him. They can't afford to do that. Even though they could technically afford to do it, they can't, do, they can't afford to do that without sacrificing some of their in-house talent. And that in-house talent is far more valuable than any random free agent that you might pick up because honestly, free agency is such a guessing game. You sign some of these guys and you never know what you're going to get out of them. Were they a product of the system that they were in? A lot of times we see players who were really, really good on their previous teams sign with a new team and never live up to the expectations of that contract. A lot of that has to do with they can't adjust to a new coaching staff. They can't adjust to a new environment, a new fan base. It's tough for some players. So I think that when you're looking at the New York Giants salary cap space this offseason, they can spend on on a few free agents here and there to bolster their roster, reinforce some positions, but they're not going to make any significant upgrades to any positions through free agency this offseason. They're going to have to look to the draft to do that. But there is also an opportunity that the Giants free up even more cap space. We just talked about it. Kenny Galladay, $6.7 million, is about to be he's about to be released and save that money at the start of the new league year. But Alex, we've looked at this roster. There's a few other players that the Giants could alter their contracts, so to speak, in order to free up some more money. Leonard Williams, Adoree Jack, who do you think is the most likely next cut candidate after Galladay? Or do you think that the Giants are just going to restructure a bunch of deals and kick the money down the curb? So it's a good question. Um, when it comes to, 
see, I think we're looking at more restructures than I think we are just straight up releases. Leonard Williams, if he doesn't accept a pay cut, doesn't want to restructure, he's going to be cut. Like that's, I think that's pretty defined. But I think that he will be willing to uh, maneuver around the salary a little bit because he did already mention he'd be willing to take a pay cut because he wants to stick with Dexter Lawrence and he wants to play with him and you know stay a giant. So uh, that's definitely a good sign that all these players are willing to do that if need be. Adoy Jackson, you can create more money there too by extending him on another year. You don't want to get rid of your best defensive back when you have no support there, no reinforcements. Keeping him around at 28 years old in the middle of his prime, say less. I'm down for that. Um, now somebody, you know, we, we did talk about his uh, minor injury history um, yesterday, but I don't think it's too much of a, of a problem. Someone mentioned in the comments that, you know, if we're going to be, you know, if we're going to talk about the injury history to Dory Jackson, we also have to talk about the injury history to Saquon Barkley and how, you know, extending him also, you know, plays into the same kind of realm. But um, I would argue that the cornerback position, you know, is a, a little bit more valuable than running back. You can, you know, you can't really replace CB1s as easy as you can running backs. So, and the injuries to running backs are a lot more prominent. Um, obviously, we still want Saquon Barkley and would love to find a way to keep him. Um, but it really depends on how the Giants figure out their salary space. This is what we're kind of talking about right now. If you extend Leonard Williams, extend Dory Jackson, restructure their deals, open up some money, you can probably find a couple extra million dollars uh, to get the deal done with Saquon. But it really depends on how much they're willing to go. I, I don't think that Joe Shane's willing to go above $13 million per season. Um, maybe he, he just squeezes a couple extra 100k out of it and gets to 13.5 something like that but i think that they have a hard line they're saying look every contract that <laughs> that teams offer to running backs or at least like 90 percent of them end up failing like big contracts running backs like 90 percent end up failing so we don't want to be part of that 90 percent but then again you have to think about the intangible traits that saquon brings so there's there is definitely a big contract negotiation situation that's unfolding there that we've discussed about um pretty heavily but you know we don't have to go over, over that again because i think you guys are already caught up to it but Looking at other players that could be released, I mean, a lot of them are just making, like, a couple bucks. The one that only one that really stands out to me is a guy that will likely be cut, and, you know, I may not fully agree with it, is Darnay Holmes. Um, Darnay Holmes is set to make $3 million, and he only has 200 k of it guaranteed. So $2.7 million in cap savings for a slot corner that, while I do like and is a good run stopper, good guy to have in the locker room, young, obviously, he's good at recognizing screen passes. He's not very good in coverage. Um, so the Giants may want to take that $3 million and maybe roll it over into a free agent, you know, or maybe they just draft a guy and they can probably replace him quite easily, at least in the coverage portion of things, and they just develop their own instead of having to pay him $3 million, which I don't necessarily think he's worth. I love Darnay as a, as a guy. I think he, he has his strengths, but $3 million is a lot of money to save, and I think they end up uh, executing that because they want uh, to save as much cash as possible this offseason. So what are your thoughts on that kind of idea of maybe releasing Darnay and saving the 2.7 mil? Listen, I don't want to see it happen, but it probably has to happen. I really like Darnay Holmes. You mentioned it. Great guy off the field. I like what he brings to the field. I think he's a pretty solid player. No, he's not perfect. He's not elite. He wasn't a first-round pick, guys. He was a fourth-round pick. A lot of Giants fans expect so much of Darnay Holmes. He's really put in a lot of solid work for the Giants, considering he was a mid-round draft pick. He's exceeded all expectations when you consider the fact that he was a fourth-round pick. So I really like Darnay Holmes, but you're right, Alex. $2.7 million in savings by cutting Darnay Holmes you probably take that money and reinvest it elsewhere. I think that you can get a really solid, maybe backup interior offensive lineman. You might even be able to find the veteran who can compete at CB2 for $2.7 million. So I do think they end up cutting him. 
Um, and that's not the be-all, end-all. Maybe they cut him, they save the 2.7, and then they sign him to the minimum at, you know, less than a million, and they end up saving around a million and a half from that exchange. So that's a possibility. Darnay Holmes might get cut. That doesn't mean he's necessarily gone for good. They could end up circling back around to him and signing him on a new, cheaper contract uh, so that he can remain with the team, but also the Giants could save that money. So there's a lot of opportunities here. I think Shane Lemieux is another player to keep an eye on as a potential cut candidate. Just hasn't stayed healthy, hasn't been able to stay on the field and perform well on the field. You have an $86,000 dead cap hit for Shane Lemieux, but you free a million dollars when you cut him. So that's another player that I would keep an eye on for the Giants. I think that they will release him and Darnay Holmes, and there you go. There's four to five million dollars right there that you can just roll right over into that Saquon contract or to a brand new starting inside linebacker for your defense. I think that the Giants can get really creative, but again, they got to be careful not to tie up too much money for the foreseeable future because they have a lot of talent, in-house talent, that they're going to want to sign to long-term extensions guys like Dexter Lawrence, Andrew Thomas, so on and so forth. So the Giants are in a really healthy salary cap position right now, but I don't know how healthy it's going to be after they re-sign all of these players. These extensions are going to cost them pretty pennies. And again, the Daniel Jones one is the most notable. Alex, I, I think that the, the conversation about Daniel Jones is starting to get really interesting on, on Twitter, and a lot of analysts are saying that they would freak out if the Giants sign him to $45 million. It's not going to happen, first and foremost. But I am curious to know, when you're looking at the long-term health of the salary cap, what's the maximum that you do want to sign Daniel Jones for, and what's the long-term how many years do you want him on the books for? Because I think that's the more interesting part of the conversation that enough, not enough people are having. I I could not even begin to describe how over this conversation I am. It's like it's all just speculation and and what ifs and you know what if this happens or how much and ultimately like we don't know. It's not our money, but I will say this: I I, I don't have a real answer. You know what I mean? I, I don't have an answer. Like I'm okay with this number because. If he ends up kicking ass and looking good and compounding on his success, whatever that number is, if if my ceiling is $40 million per season, it's going to end up being a steal because you're seeing quarterbacks right now getting $45, $50 million, and they're not good. Like, they're, like, Dak, like Dak Prescott is not that good. You know what I mean? He's getting paid a ton. If Daniel Jones keeps getting better, as we saw this past season, he has a lot left to grow, a lot more room to grow, especially if they get him some wide receiver talent. $35 million per season is going to be an absolute freaking steal. You know what I mean? If he sucks, you can move on from that at some point. $35 million isn't going to kill you. But I will say this. I think that I would prefer for him to get paid $35 million per season. I, that would be my preference. 35 is, is cool with me. That's that's literally like average. That's still like the middle tier of quarterbacks. And he has potential to be in in a, in a higher tier where he's worth more than that. So I feel like that would be a good, a good mark for me realistically, I think he gets closer to 40. I think he probably lands at about 38 or 39, um, just under 40 million. I think that's where they land in, in negotiations, but I would prefer $35 million. And obviously this is just me coming up with a, a number that I feel like his, he's valued at, but given the market, it's going to be more than that. Um, and look, in terms of years, as you mentioned, as a variable, Four-year deal out after the third season. That's my preference. I like you said, that. You said, you said three years. I'm, I'm on board with that. I think you lock it in for four years. You have a team option um, in that fourth year, and you can move on you know, with, with minimal dead money um, in tow if need be, and that allows you to reset if you need to, but it also gives you that option if he's kicking ass and looking really good that you can continue on and you don't have to worry about giving him another monster deal, um, and that fourth year probably comes in at a reasonable price point. So I think that's kind of the, the angle I would take. 
I agree with that. And another thing that I agree with you on is that I am so ready for this contract to be done and over with. <laughs> I just want the Giants to get it done and so that we don't have to hear about it anymore because I already know as we start to inch closer and closer towards draft season, we're going to hear crazy mock trades and Daniel Jones is going here, Daniel Jones is going there, Giants are going to draft quarterback. It's just going to be never-ending possibilities. So I'm excited for the Giants to get that deal done and we could see what the Giants have in salary cap space going into this offseason because, again, a lot of free agents that make a lot of sense for the Giants, but how much are they willing to spend? That remains to be uh, seen. And I think that, again, they're going to be pretty frugal with their spending. But I think that's a good discussion, good place to wrap up. I think the Giants, again, a lot of cap space, but they got to be careful. So we'll see exactly how they spend it. And we're going to update you on all of that right here on Fireside Giants. So make sure to subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. And leave a like if you did enjoy this episode. We'll catch you all in the next one. Have a good one. And let's go Giants.